welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. Right, so we have been talking about faithfulness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes? Have you guys been enjoying it so far? Mm-hmm. I have too. I, uh, it excites me for more than one reason. One, it excites me because um, I, I believe the Lord is asking us to come up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I believe the Lord wants to entrust us with more to increase our influence, to increase our ministries, our personal lives, our individual lives, because otherwise, why else would he be talking to us about faithfulness? Make sense? It should be something you're excited about. Um, I think I've only got about two more sessions and then we might move on from this. Uh, I don't think that we'll ever be done talking about this, but I I feel like it's been a really, really good foundation um, but I want to spend a little time today, and we'll spend just a little bit of time next week on it as well. Um, but I want to talk about the characteristics of a faithful man or woman. Now, we've been reading in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of characters of character. Don't let that be too simple for you. It's full of characters of character. Does that make sense? We have stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Esther. We have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. We have all of these stories of men and women who were in covenant with a God that most of them had never, ever seen. They didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do. Now, he showed up to Moses as a bush and sometimes as a fire or a cloud on a mountain. Sometimes he spoke through an animal or through a prophet. But they didn't have the individual relationship that we have yet. It's some of the most impactful stories we have of faithful and diligent men and women. And I kind of wrote a list of characteristics we saw in these stories. We were reading about Joseph, how his brothers hated him, got really mad at him because of these dreams that he had. They sold him into slavery. But he was such a man of integrity and of faithful diligence that in Potiphar's house, he he rose to the head of the house. And then his wife got a frisky business idea. He ran. He got thrown in jail, accused. But in jail, he even became the head jailer for a whole wing of this prison. So much so that it said that the the chief jailer never even checked in on Joseph's wing of the prison. He considered it done because of the character of Joseph. And when Pharaoh had these dreams and Joseph was able to interpret it, he was able to he was able to go up. Actually, let's turn there. We have time, right? What time is it? Doesn't matter. We have time. Go to Genesis 41. I just want to read something real quick in verse 38. 
This is important because this is Pharaoh, a man in authority, recognizing what's inside of Joseph. 41, 38. This is right, for some context, this is right where I was talking here. This is right after Pharaoh had these dreams. The chief cupbearer was like, oh man, totally forgot about this guy in prison. He totally interpreted our dreams three years ago. My bad. Anyways, he could probably interpret your dream. They bring him out. They get him cleaned up. He goes before the king. He interprets the dream through the Lord's what he says. And then he gives him a plan. And he proposes this plan. Uh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up to verse 33. This is Joseph speaking to Pharaoh after he describes the, the seven years of plentiful, seven years of drought. And he said, Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land to take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food in these years that they are coming sorry, and, and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. So he interprets a dream and then he even tells Pharaoh what he's supposed to do. And Pharaoh's response, verse 37, um, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Everyone was in agreement that this is a brilliant idea. It says it, 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 it appeased Pharaoh, it pleased Pharaoh and all of Pharaoh's servants. So this is all of his chief magistrates, all of govern, all the governors of the land. Like this is everyone is pleased by this. Verse 38, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom, who, whom it, in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all, all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. Is Joseph the source of this wisdom? No. Where did this wisdom come from? God. He even says that. He says, it's not I who can interpret your dream, but the Lord, right? And so Pharaoh, because of the wisdom and discernment that Joseph showed, Pharaoh put him over all of Egypt. Pharaoh even says, you are like me in every way except for the name Pharaoh. Like, you just don't get my name. So he has all the authority. He's above every man, woman, child, beast, field in the largest nation in the world. The only one above him is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's kind of his equal, except for he has the name Pharaoh. That's the only way that he's bigger than Joseph. Because of his faithfulness. Because of his diligence. In Daniel 6, verse 4. Go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When you have it, say, I have it. It's towards the end of the Old Testament, if that helps. Okay. We can wait a minute. I just want to make sure you guys have your eyes on it. So this is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Give you a little context here. This is after King Nebuchadnezzar's fall, right? I don't know. Three, when was it we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego three weeks ago, something like that? 
We went into detail the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll give you a quick synopsis of the situation. Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach and Benny we'll call them, were taken out of their land and brought to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar said, Hey, bring me some of those young strapling boys who are smart. Feed them food, get them strong, and I want them to be wise men in my court. Because he understood that they had a lay of the land. right? He, they had an understanding. And they said, feed them some wine and some food. And Daniel's like, that defiles what we believe. And the guy was like, well, that's what the king said. And if I don't do that, I'm going to get killed. And then Daniel said, well, why don't you let me and my buddies eat what's good for us? And after 10 days, you make the judge of what's better. The Lord intervened on their behalf. They ate only the good, clean stuff. They were bigger and stronger. Then the chief dude was like, good, everyone eat this way. So then Daniel was put after there was a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And he was kind of crazy and fickle. And he said, get all the wise men in the land. And they need to tell me what my dream was and then give me the interpretation, okay? And they're like, no one can do this, king. Like, it's a crazy, like, no, who can do that? And he goes, kill all the wise men. They're stupid. Kill them all. And then Daniel was just in his house, like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And the, the chief dude was like, I got to kill you. He's like, wait, why? He's like, because no, no one could tell the king what his dream was and interpret it. He's like, well, give me a minute. And he goes back to his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, hey, pray. I'm going to go before the king and interpret his dream. So he does. And the king was pleased, and he said, I, I want to put you in a position of authority. And Danny goes, hey, I got these three buddies back there. They're also pretty smart. So that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got an authority. King Nebuchadnezzar makes this big statue, tells everyone to bow down and sing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. So he throws them in a fire. The Lord ends up saving them. So this is, this is, again, I'm not trying to spend hours talking about this, but this is me giving a synopsis of where we are. So this is... After King Nebuchadnezzar's fall, after his son's fall, this is a new reign, okay? This is a new king. Daniel is still in the position of being an instructor to the king. Even after the kingdom has changed hands. This is after King Nebuchadnezzar became a beast and was running about the ground and eating grass with his mouth like, like a beast. This is after his son was defiling the things of the Lord and in their big party time. This is after all of that craziness. Daniel is still here. Understand that the authority that was over Daniel might have fallen, but because of Daniel's faithfulness to serve the king as if he was serving God, he stayed in a position of power. Does that make sense? He was faithful to the king that was a king of many gods. Okay? So Daniel's still in this position, and Daniel has God helping him with everything he does. Because Daniel is keeping the law. He's faithful to do what God has asked him to do. He's the wisest of all the wise men in the land, and some other dudes get kind of jealous of it. Okay? And they said to themselves, we've got to find a way to get rid of Daniel. He's making all of us look bad. That's basically what's happening. A whole brood of wise men look stupid compared to Daniel because Daniel has God. Right? Does that make sense? The knowledge of man cannot compare with the knowledge of God. So they're mad that they look bad. Okay? So they seek to destroy Daniel. So this is what happens. Daniel 6, verse 4. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. They're like, I know we're going to find something that Daniel did wrong, and we'll just start talking to the king about it. Every once in a while, yeah, you know, it's been a pretty good day. You know, Daniel did let this thing slide, but we got it taken care of. That's what they wanted to do. 
They wanted to start a murmur about how poor Daniel was doing with his job. That, that's what they decided. We're going we're gonna to seek to find grounds for complaints against Daniel with regards to the kingdom because Daniel was over some areas of the kingdom. And so they're like, these are, these, by the way, these aren't, no, no offense against anyone, these aren't grain pickers. These aren't brick stompers. These are wise men. Like that's in the title of their name. Like if they had a name tag, it would be wise man, right? That'd be the title. They're smart. And they're seeking after all of Daniel's stuff to try to find a way that he's messed up. They're being very thorough. Yep. Very thorough. They try to find a complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was what? Faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. They were trying to find a way to murmur against him to the king, and they could find this many. That doesn't sound good. They could find this many ways. Zero. They found no ways to, because he was a faithful man. He was faithful to both kings that he served under. His territory was so clean, was so well-maintained, was taken care of so properly that when everyone came up against him to try to, to, to bring account against him, they could find nothing. What, what if someone was trying to take your job? Could they find, if they went through your whole behavior as an employee or a manager, could they find fault? And how you did something. Maybe you didn't do the closing checklist properly. Maybe you just stood on the counter and hit the check marks. And you just kind of looked. Yeah, that looks about right. If they went through your life with a fine-tooth comb, could they find fault against you? They couldn't with Daniel. So in, in these stories we've been reading, and I could go on and on and on, and honestly, you should yourselves read in the Old Testament these people who serve. Read about Esther. Read about Jeremiah. Read about Moses. Read about Abraham. When, when Moses was building the temple, God was so specific. So specific. You need to have this lampstand. It needs to be made out of this thing, covered in this thing. It needs to be placed on this quadrant, this many cubits up and this many cubits to the left. And the next line says, and Moses did. Moses, Moses didn't give input to God on designing the temple. Hey, would you think some sashes on this side would look pretty good over here? What if, we, what if we put a window here? What if we took this wall and just blew this wall out so we have kind of an open floor plan? That never happened. God said, and the next line always said, and Moses did. Read it. It's in your Bible. Read it. Read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And read it again. Read about Daniel. Read about Joseph. Read about these men and women who were faithful to the call that God put on their life. And you'll see some of these characteristics, if you will. The Bible is full of characters of character. Characters of a faithful man or woman. Number one, they're quick to obey. He said it, they do it. This is what I'm talking about with Moses when he was building the temple. God said, and Moses did. That's how it worked. It's literally, go, go start in Deuteronomy. I realize that it can get a little bit 
lengthy because it's talking about the old law. But God instructed, then Moses said, read it. He was quick to do it. Another characteristic of, well, I don't want to get away from that obey one. Maybe we'll spend a little bit more time there. Being faithful is, is, not, is doing what God tells you to do regardless of how you feel about it. It's not always, you, you definitely don't always get to feel okay about what he asks you to do. Does that make sense? It, it, it's not, what I'm saying is it's not a suggestion. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, how do you feel about this thing? And you're like, nah. And he's like, you're right. That's not how that works. <laughs> it's not a suggestion. You understand? And, and here's, here's why being quick to obey is so vitally important because the longer you wait, the more you and the devil will convince yourself not to do it and you'll miss what God has for you. If he says something and you know in your heart you're supposed to do it, do it immediately. Quick, quick, say quick, say quick, do it right away. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the devil and yourself will, will talk yourself out of it. Well, I was going to do this, but then this thing happened and the kids were this way and now I'm not so sure. It doesn't take much. I'm convinced that there's not more people in this church because they were going to come this morning, but for whatever reason, something came up and they didn't. For whatever reason, they got held up or the enemy was like, yeah, you know what? You're a little tired today or you're a little this today. Be quick. If God tells you to do it, I don't care what it is. Go outside for a walk. Give money to this person. Go take this job, even if it's less pay. I don't care what it is. If he says something to you and you know it's him, do it quickly, quickly. That's a sign of a faithful man or woman. That's a characteristic of someone who is faithful and diligent. They are quick to obey. As soon as he says it, unless he gives you a specific time, we get it done. We do it. I don't like things hanging on my spirit at all. I don't like, I don't like needing to get something done and not being able to do it for one. It, 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 it bothers me because I, want to, I, I, I don't want to be the thing that's hindering the progress that God has. I'll give you an example of this. After COVID shut down, and none of you were here before at this time. Maybe Ben was here. Ben might have just started coming. After COVID, and we had to shut down the church for a few weeks, no one came back for like a year, eight months. And it was me and Ben and, and like Josh and Becky in this building. That was it. And Jenna started coming shortly after that. And that, that was a whole group. And I cried out to God one day because, like, I know how much it costs for this building every month, and that's not coming in, and we're trying to be diligent and trying to be faithful, but we don't have money. Becky and I aren't, aren't we had a crazy thing happen in our lives. We're trying to make ends meet. We're believing God for literally every cent that we have. And I'm like, God, like, is this still supposed to be a thing? Like, I know you're faithful. I know you're good. And he, he told me to keep coming. And then one day, I literally, I'm telling you, I was crying out to God like, God, if, this, if I'm just doing this to be stubborn, tell me. I'll, I'll close up shop now because if, it, if he's not in it, I don't want to be here. Does that make sense? And he said, I said, what's missing? And this is what the Lord told me. And I'll just present it to you and you can take it as it is. He said, I've asked people to come and I've asked people to give and they're not. That's what he told me. And I said, okay. Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I really hope that you weren't one of those people at that time, right? If you were, hey, you're here now. That's all that matters, right? 
But what, what I'm, the reason why I'm saying that is, is the plan and purpose that God had for this body was being hindered by people's lack of obedience. Does that make sense? It was being delayed by people's lack of obedience. And I don't ever want to be in the position where I'm delaying a plan that God has because I'm not quick to obey. Because you have to understand, and I know this is probably roughing some feathers, but it's not all about you. Okay, like it's really like it's not all about you and what you want and what you need. It's, it's about a bigger plan than yourself. And thank God that it is. Seriously, that's so, it's so much better to be a part of something as opposed to being the underlying subject of a thing, right? I don't want to be in the position where I'm hindering the progress that God has for an area, for a people, for a person, for a place, because I'm not willing to do what he's asked me to do. I never want to be in that position. And I understand that it can be hard and it can be difficult, but if he tells you to do it, obey quickly, as as soon as you can. Because if you don't, both you and the devil will convince you to not do it. Does that make sense? The first thing, you can write these down. Characteristics of being a faithful man or woman is, number one, quick to obey. Now, these aren't in level of importance. It's just a list, okay? Second one, another characteristic of a faithful man or woman is that they are very humble. Now, I could probably spend a lot of weeks on humility, but I'm just going to touch on it a little bit today. A characteristic of a man or woman, a faithful man or woman, is they are very, very humble. What does it mean to be humble? It means it doesn't have to be the way you want it. You don't have to be in charge. You don't have to be the one to make decisions. You don't get to have a say. You're, 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 not, a, you're not the guy in charge. You're just a worker bee, right? You're not queen bee. You're worker bee. It means when people correct you, when people yell at you, when people speak poorly about you, you don't get to say things. You don't get to just stand up for yourself. You don't get to just do things because, by golly, you know, bless God, dad gummit, none, stop. Don't invoke the Lord's name in any of that junk, okay? Humble means you, you, you put yourself under. Humbling yourself means to come under authority. That means if God calls you to a place of work, if he calls you to a church and you think or you may even know more than the person who is your spiritual leader, your natural leader, your your boss, you don't get to just tell them all that you know. You're not there to tell them how smart you are. You're not there to give input. You're there to work. You're there to serve. A characteristic of a faithful man or woman, is that they are very humble. Humble. The word says, humble yourself before him and he will lift you up. If you, Because listen, if you don't humble yourself, you're going to get humbled. It's going to happen. And I can promise you that is way worse because sometimes that happens very publicly. <laughs> it's not so good. Not so good. I could share some stories, but I won't because they're embarrassing. So we're not going to talk about it. If you don't humble yourself, the Lord will find ways to humble you or the situation itself will humble you. I, I mean, I'm talking I, c- being corrected in front of your coworkers because you're, you're kind of starting to push a little bit because you think you know better, not so good. And you have an opportunity at that point on how you respond to that. 
I can't believe he would yell at me in front of everyone else. That is so unprofessional. Catch yourself, man. Humble. Maybe you didn't deserve it. It does not matter. It does not matter. It, oh man, <laughs> I want to talk about this so much. It, do, it doesn't matter. 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 Humble yourself first. Righteous indignation. Well, I deserve better. I should get this. I, no, stop, stop, stop. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. The word says that God gives help to the humble and he resists the proud. Okay? That scripture does not say God gives help to the humble and he ignores the proud. It doesn't say that. That's how a lot of people think about it. Well, he just ignores prideful people. Wrong. He resists them, meaning he is actively working against you. Right? Do you want God to actively work against you? Are you sure? Are you sure? Okay, humble yourself. Because if you can humble yourself in any and every situation in your life, God will bring supernatural help and strength to you. This is why the examples we have in the Bible of Daniel, of Joseph, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, of Esther, this is, this is why they received help, because they humbled themselves. Have you read the story of Esther? Have you read that story? I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis. You should go read it. So Esther was, she had this mother-in-law, Naomi was her name, and Esther's, Ruth, thank you, sorry. Esther's, I've been listening to a lot of Bible stories the last couple of weeks, they're all kind of getting blended together. Esther's mother-in-law, Ruth, thank you, Nancy. Ruth's husband died, Esther's husband died, and there was another sister-in-law whose husband's died. And back in these times, if you didn't have a man, you didn't have anything, right? You, did, you didn't have rights to anything, you didn't really have property, you had pretty much nothing. And so Esther's mother-in-law, Ruth, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi. Forgive me. I told you, I've been listening to all these Bible stories. Anyway, so what happens is she was going to leave, but she says, I'm going to stay with you because I serve your God. The other sister-in-law left to serve her own gods. But she recognized the God of her mother-in-law, and she decided to stay and humble yourself, humble herself underneath her mother-in-law, understanding that the God that her mother-in-law served was the God. And because of that situation, she met a young man, and she literally came out of nowhere. God exalted her, and she got married to a, an amazing person because of her willingness to humble herself. Always start with humility. Sorry for messing those up, guys. Just listen to all of the Old Old Testament, and then you get it straight. How about that? All right. The second one, characteristic of a faithful man or woman is that they are very, very humble. All right? Number three, maybe we will spend some time on humility. That might be something we do soon. Number three, you guys excited about that? I heard a, I heard a bunch of amens. Number three, uh, characteristic of a man or woman who is very faithful is that they have amazing work ethic. They're hard workers, hard workers, hard workers. Say hard worker. Now, that doesn't just mean physical labor. I've had both physical laborious jobs and 
mental laborious jobs. Right? I've had both. And they take equal amount of energy. One is not greater than the other. One is not superior than the other. They both take work. Sometimes I, I would rather beat my body up physically than my head. Does that make sense? It is sometimes more straining on me working in a job where I have to be mentally sharp for 12 hours a day as opposed to me you know, laying concrete for 12 hours a day. Sure. It's, it's a different type of strain. It still exists. But faithful men and women have great work ethic. That means that, that you were the first to be there, the last to leave. Again, have good life and work balance. Don't negate your family. You have a ministry there. We're not talking about that. But I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is that you're, you're faithful to where you're called. When you're there, you're there. Not halfway there. Not, not on your phone all the time. Sorry. Don't mean to be mad. Don't mean to get anyone upset. That you're not, ha- you're, not, you're, not, you're not paying attention partially because you're having a text conversation with your best friend about how her date went last night. You're there. You have good work ethic. When you're there, things get done. When your boss comes in after you, they say, wow, you did a really good job. This looks great. And even if that means everything stayed exactly the same. When I was a manager, if I came into the store after a day off and things looked the same way as I left it, that made me very happy. (laughs) That made me very, very happy, especially when I was in food service, right? Things are restocked. You guys know what FIFO means? First in, first out. That means the food wasn't mixed up. They didn't put new, new stuff in front of old stuff and I have to come back. All the checks. If it was the same way as I left it, that blessed me as a manager. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Faithful men and women have great work ethic and we're known for it. We should be known for that. People should go, man, if you could just hire that guy, everything would work out. If you could hire that girl, man, I know that they've got a job, but if you could offer them a position you'd have it made. You should be known for it. I, I have had so many different jobs. I, someone was asking me, all, are we having conversations about all the different things that I've done? And I'm not bragging on myself, but I've just been able to be in a lot of situations. I've worked for large corporations. I've worked for small mom and pop shops. I've, I've worked in construction. I've, I've worked in management. I've worked in restaurant and food service. I, I've done all kinds of different crazy things. I've had lots of opportunity to see people in the workplace. And I can tell you right now, I can name probably five people that I've worked with over the last 20 years who I could say I would hire them in a heartbeat. And I've had a lot of jobs. Why can't I refer everyone? Because not everyone has a great work ethic. But I could tell you their names, first and last names right now of who you should hire because of their work ethic. Some of these people were godly people. Some of these people just had a good understanding of a hard work ethic. We should be known for it. Faithful men and women have great work ethic. Another characteristic of a faithful man or woman is that they are wise beyond their years. This is a big one. Because if you are faithful to do what you've been asked to do, where you've been called to be, you are relying on the Holy Spirit, right? You're not going there as yourself. You're going there as a representation of the Father. Does that make sense? So the wisdom that you have isn't your own. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Companies get in binds. They need solutions, right? There's absolutely no reason why you couldn't have the solution from the Lord for that company. In fact, you should expect it. The Word says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? That's it. The Bible said it. He said, if you need wisdom, you can ask for it. If any of you lack wisdom... Ask. That's the whole, like, ask him. Then he will give you wisdom. Have faith and understand it. 
If any of you lack wisdom, ask. So if there's, a, there's, if there's a problem in your company and you see your bosses or someone and there's frustration, we can't just figure this out, this is causing us this, this, and this, get, get quiet. Lord, here's the, here's the situation. Father, give me wisdom over this situation. And he will. How, how did Joseph know to, to set grain aside for the first seven years, for the last seven years? How did he know to do that? God told him. That idea came straight from God. What would have happened if Joseph didn't do that? What would happen if Joseph got complacent in prison? What would happen if Joseph played the victim and said, I, I don't deserve to be in this prison? And he's like, I'm not helping anyone anymore. I'm just going to sit in here and I can get my food. And Yeah, hundreds of thousands of people would have died. Hundreds of thousands of people would have died. But because he had a great work ethic, because he relied on the wisdom of God, hundreds of thousands of people were saved. And his own family. Bonus. You get to be the thing that keeps your lineage alive. The reason why the nation of Goshen, right? You guys know what I mean by saying that? It's where the Israelites lived in Egypt. The reason why that even existed was because of Joseph. The nation of Israel was saved because of Joseph. All of Israel. Understand me? It's, it's in the Word. Don't take my word for it. That's the whole... You know, remember when Moses comes back to get Israel out of Egypt? The reason why they're in there in the first place is because of Joseph. It's actually kind of, you should go read, go read the end of Genesis. Because you flip a chapter and it says, a new Pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph. And he got scared of the amount of people who were in the land of Goshen. And that's when they started killing off babies and putting them into slavery. And he said, no matter what we do with it, they continue to multiply. Right? That's all that happened is someone didn't know Joseph. That was the switch. That's why they were under bondage. Okay. But it was, on, it was on the backside of, of Joseph being able to be wise beyond his years. And when I say that, I mean not relying on his natural wisdom, but the wisdom that God has put inside of him. Another characteristic of a faithful man or woman is that they are trustworthy. They are trustworthy. This is a, this is a big one for a lot of different reasons. Um... God says he hates lying. He hates it. He hates it. God hates lying. Jesus even said when talking to Pharisees, because of their deception, he said, you, you serve your father, the devil. Because the devil is the author of lies. It's the only thing that Satan created. And and I realize that sounds like an extreme statement, but he is literally the father of lies. He, it came from him, lying. God hates it. Trustworthy and, being, and telling the truth go hand in hand. A, a, a faithful, a trustworthy person will tell the truth even to their own detriment. Being trustworthy means being responsible. When I worked for a for AT&T, every night we would do cash outs, right? So you'd count the drawdown 
Does it make sense when I say that? Right, so we had a float in the drawer, meaning you were supposed to have, I think it was 120 bucks of cash and coins in the drawer. Anything over that would be pulled out of the drawer, would be counted properly, put into a deposit bag. This deposit bag had all this very specific information on. We were supposed to drive it to the bank and drop it in the night deposit box every night. As a manager, on my day off, it's the only thing I was responsible that made sure it happened. Meaning I had to put the responsibility of taking that bag and dropping it off into one of my employees' hands. And I can tell you more than once, I still did it myself. Because I didn't have trustworthy people. These are people you're giving access to the company's money. I was entrusted with running that branch. I was entrusted with running that building. And my job was to, I mean, a business is there to make money, right? They offer goods and services in exchange for money. That's kind of the whole deal, right? So my job was to make sure that every day the money that was made in cash and coin was put in the bank every night. Make sure it was done. I didn't always have trustworthy people, so I had to do it because I was, being, I was responsible for it. This is, if, you're, if you're a closing shift manager, you have a responsibility to lock the building up, right? right? If you're uh, an accountant's assistant, if you're uh, an area representative, if you are responsible for anything, you have to have some level of trustworthiness. Is that a word, trustworthiness? We'll go with it. You have to have a certain level of that. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be able to be in that position in the first place. If we look at, we'll use Joseph again. He, he was trusted by Potiphar tremendously, so much so that Potiphar allowed Joseph to run his entire household right? To manage everything for him. I, w- I would assume this would include like, I don't know, scheduling the servants. I don't know how that works. I don't know if there was like a morning shift and a night shift of, of the main cupbearer person. I don't know if when the cleaners come in, if someone had to like clean the koi pond. I don't know how it worked, but I assumed there was people underneath his employ that he was responsible for. And Potiphar trusted him, which is why when his wife came on to Joseph, He said, you're literally the only thing that Potiphar told me I couldn't have dominion over. He's entrusted me with everything else. That trustworthiness got him in jail. You understand that, right? His faithfulness, his his ability to be trustworthy. If, If he would have, I know this would never happen, but just come with me on a little journey here. If Let's say he would have laid with Potiphar's wife. What do you think would have happened? In the natural, probably nothing. Probably would have never been sent to prison. And Joseph probably could have taken advantage of of Potiphar's trust for years before he was found out. Probably until Potiphar's wife got tired of him or something newer and younger came along. Probably, right? I'm not taking crazy liberties, but I'm just saying nothing would have immediately changed. He could have not spent three to five years in prison. By simply just going along. But because he was trustworthy, because he was faithful in little, he became faithful over the entire nation of Egypt. Characteristic of a faithful man or or woman is that they are trustworthy. Another characteristic is that they are responsible. Responsible. Parents ever told you you need to grow up and be more responsible? Happen all the time. You just need to be responsible. You need to learn to be responsible. 
That's why you get a pet as a kid. I had chickens. I was responsible for our chickens. And the amount of times that my dad had to go water the chickens because I forgot to do it, uh, meaning I was riding my bike instead of watering chickens, was a lot. Right? I had to learn to be responsible. Responsible. You need to learn some responsibility. Mike, it's time to grow up. It's time to be responsible. When I was about 17 years old, I was working for Panera Bread, and I was driving back to where my parents live about an hour away. And my dad <clears throat> came in one day, and he said, Micah, I know you're working. You're doing good. He's like, but it's come to this time in your life you have a decision to make. He said, one, you can start paying rent here because you're not helping out around the house. Now, I understand that it's because you work, but even I work more than you do, and I still help around the house. So you can either pick up and start helping out more here. You can start paying rent because we're doing all the cooking and cleaning for you, basically. Or you can move out. But it's time for you to be responsible. He wasn't mean. He didn't, you know, he wasn't, he didn't shout. He didn't yell. He just had a conversation. Mike, it's time for you to grow up. You are no longer a child. You can't just come and eat mom and dad's food and go to work and then hide in your room. That's, that's not how this works. It's time for you to learn some responsibility. So I moved out. <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to live for a few months and I slept on people's couches and I eventually got a gig uh, being a nanny for a family and I drove their kids to school and I helped them out with their house for about six months and then I finally got my own apartment and I learned some responsibility. I mean, it took me a few years. Mom and dad still paid my insurance, still paid my phone bill. Like it, it wasn't all the responsibility, but it was some of the responsibility. But a faithful man or woman is responsible. That, that's why I said earlier it's important to know the number it takes to make you whole every month with your finances. You need to be responsible with it. You need to be, you need to be diligent with it. A faithful man and wo or woman is responsible. Here's another big one. They keep their word even to their detriment. This is really, really big. One, you should say less things. If your words were as important to you as they need to be, you would say less things. I'm not saying you would talk less. I would say you would commit to less, right? But, but, but a faithful man and wo or woman will keep their word even to their detriment because they spoke it. We, we are too haphazard with our words. I really mean that. Now, this is coming for someone who live most of their life with verbal vomit coming out of them 24-7. Like if I was awake, I was talking. So I understand the irony of me saying this, okay? This is something the Lord's helping me. I have learned, and He's helped me to continue to learn. But it, you keep your word even to your own detriment. That means if you say something or you commit to something, you either have to, one, apologize and tell them you were wrong, or you have to fulfill it. You have to do it, and you have to make it right. You have to make it right. This whole idea that you can just get married and if it doesn't work out, yeah. you can just back out of it, not so good. I mean, <laughs> when you, has anyone ever bought a car or a house, right? Have you signed the paperwork that it takes to buy a car or a house? It takes, it's the longest part of the whole thing, most of the time, unless you have a really bad salesperson. Sometimes that takes longer, especially when it comes to a house. Like you have to have a third party involved to buy or sell a house. Did you know that? You have to have a real estate agent. Then you have to have the agent that lists the house. Then you have to have a title company. This company's entire job 
that they get part of your money for is to do the paperwork. That's their whole job. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm closing on this house on this date? That means that's the day that they drive to the title company and sign the paperwork. And they get thousands of dollars for this, by the way. And all they're doing is they're walking you through the legal documents of buying a house or selling a house. Do you know why that's necessary? Because people do not keep their words and they find ways and they hire lawyers to get out of things. You commit to a bank to pay them $250,000 over the course of 30 years and you get six years in and all of a sudden you don't want it anymore. That's why you've got hundreds of pieces of paper that say that you understand what you're doing. What you're doing. When you buy a house, when you buy a car, all of this paperwork is because someone somewhere didn't keep their word. That's the whole reason why it exists. You understand that, right? I mean, that's why we have a massive, like massive, massive law firms. It's, it's basically keep making people keep their word. That's like a huge, that's like a huge portion of the business in this country is law firms. Like when I worked for AT&T as a, as a manager there, people would get mad about their bill. And they would come in and be like, ah, I'm going to sue you. And it happened a lot, more than you'd think. I'm going to sue you. I'm like, well, here's, here's the card for AT&T's law firm that they own. Why does AT&T have a law firm that they own? Because they have a lot of litigation because people don't want to pay their cell phone bills. Because people want to get devices and not have to pay for them. Happened all the time. All the time. People would come in and drop $2,000 because they just got their tax credit or whatever. And then three months later, you as a rep would get a chargeback because they don't have any money. They were not faithful in a lot of reasons. They didn't keep their word. A faithful man or woman keeps their word even to their own detriment. You make it right. If you say it, you, you better. That's what I'm saying. You should say less things. Keeps you out of trouble. Commit to less. Say yes less. You can absolutely say let me think about it. Let me talk to the wife. Let me talk to the husband. Let me pray about it. Give me some time. Well, I need to know an answer now. Well, if you, don't need, if you need to know the answer now, the answer is no. Because I haven't had time to fully think of whether I want to commit to this or not. Don't let pressure, people press you into do it. Don't let people put pressure on you to make these decisions because they're, they're trying to get your word so they can hold you to it. So there's still a certain level in the world of, of if people say it, that, that, that's a verbal commitment. Say, say, say less. That's all I'm trying to say. Is just don't commit to as much. But when you say something, be willing to put your entire life force behind that. Does that make sense? Now, I understand the circumstances. You know, Micah said he was going to come help me change my oil this weekend. And he called and said that his daughter was sick. Her, her, you know, she had to go do this thing, blah, blah, blah. I understand that there's circumstances. That's why we communicate. I'm still going to help you do it. But I'm saying if, if, don't commit to things unless you know for a fact that, one, you're supposed to do it, and, two, you have the ability to do it. Say less. One of the last ones is a man or woman who is faithful, a characteristic of a faithful man or woman, is that they are known for their integrity. Known for integrity. You should be known. People should say, man, that, that Ben is one of the most integral people that I know. That, that, that Jenna, she's so full of integrity 
I know that I can trust her with this. You should be known for that. And I'm not saying you have to use the word integrity, but people should speak of you this way. They should speak of us this way, that we are men and women of integrity. That kind of encompasses everything we just talked about. They have great work ethic. They're trustworthy. They're responsible. They keep their word. They work hard. They listen. They're humble. They're integral. They're known for their integrity. Even when things get rough, even when things get hard, they're just consistent and calm. They're known for their integrity. These are characteristics that I pulled from the stories that we've been reading over the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks. Because it's, it, they're, they're not in the Bible just so we have a fun story to read. They're not there just so we have history. That's part of it, sure. They're not there just so we have the relationship. They're there as an example for us. They're there as an example for us. How we, and again, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit. You literally have one inside of you who helps you. As, I'll say it. As Americans, it's actually harder for us because of the freedoms our country has given to us. Does that make sense? Than it is for people who, who live underneath communist control. It's harder for us because we have all of these freedoms. And I love the country I live in. I'm so thankful for it. But because of that, sometimes we think we get to just have a choice and get to do whatever it is that we want to do. What I'm saying is, is is, is what these characters teach us and that these characters of character, what they teach us in the Word is how we're supposed to live our lives, how we're supposed to be men and women of integrity, how we're supposed to be faithful, how we're supposed to be humble, how we're supposed to work hard, how we're supposed to be this way, because God has a huge plan. And how long is He supposed to wait for us to get our act together? I'm being, I'm being serious. Like how, how, like, how long? How long before he passes you up for someone else? The word says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. How long is he supposed to wait? Like, like God said that he wants to give us this church. He said, I want to give you Hollister. That's what he told me. Not financially. I'm not going to be the mayor of Hollister. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. Calm down. Anyone want to be the treasurer? I'm just joking. But how, how, how long is that supposed to take? How is that going to come to fruition if, if I'm not faithful? And what, what if I don't honor that word? What if I don't think I'm good enough for it? He'll, he'll give it to someone else. Because it's his, understand, that his desire is for all of Hollister to come to him. That's his desire. Would you agree? He wants me to partner with him. He wants us to partner with him in his endeavor for all of Hollister to come to Jesus. How long is he supposed to wait? How long, how patient should he be before we get our act together? And I'm trying to be careful how I say that because the weight isn't on you to instigate the change. The weight is on you to rely on the Holy Spirit to start emulating some of these characteristics, to start getting in the Word, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Holy Spirit, help me. 
Help me to be faithful. Help me to keep my word. Help, check me in my heart when I'm getting ready to say something, when I'm getting ready to commit to something. Help me to remember. Bring these things back up to my remembrance. Lord, show me. Remind me. Help me. And, and that's like literally one of his job titles. The Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs is to be a helper. That's in the description of the Holy Spirit. All of this is super good and it's super important, but it, it's not worth anything if you can't apply it to your life. He didn't give it to us so we could understand who people were. He gave it to us so we could understand who we can be, who we can become. The, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a portion, it's a, it's a description of the purpose that God has for us, the word says that he's not a respecter of persons, meaning he doesn't hold one of you in higher esteem than the other. The level of responsibility, the level of access you have is going to be directly equated to your level of faithfulness, your level of diligence, your level of obedience, how much you're willing to do for the Father. It'll be directly related to it. And I'm just, I don't know, silly enough, goofy enough, bold enough to say, well, let, well by golly, let's just do it. Like, let's, like, let's try. Let's, let's work towards it. Let's seek it. Let's, let's do all that we can do while we're here. It's going to be a very small portion of our lives while we're here on earth. When you're in heaven, who are you going to evangelize to? You're going to be a street evangelist in heaven? I don't think so. Who are you going to go lay hands on in heaven? Who are you going to preach the word to? It's, it's, you're there in heaven. right? Like, like It's done. So here and now, we have this very small window of our existence where God would look at us and for whatever reason decide, I want them to be involved. He could have his angels just do it. He could, but that wasn't his decision. He made us in his image. He made us in our likeness, and he wants us to be involved. He wants us to be his hands and feet here. He wants us to take authority. He wants us to lay hands. He wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He wants us to just get over ourselves. He wants us to get beyond our front door. He wants us to get beyond our needs, our desires, our selfish ambitions. Our, we're so aware of ourselves. He just wants us to, to get over it and get beyond it. Just be bold enough to try, at least. Just, if you, if you would ask him to help you, I will promise you, he will help you. It's his desire in the first place. Amen? I'm done yelling at you guys. You guys can stand up. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.